we have to find ways to propel creativity in all of us and everybody can be creative and live your potential have fun enjoy so one of the first things I always tell my students at university is like you guys are amazing composers you wouldn't be here if you're not what I want to help you is to keep the joy of creating only this will give you that wonderful life with miracles and and those beautiful moments of life changing self changing moments and and that is just so powerful from the world capital of music today's guest is walter rozoa an internationally acclaimed austrian composer producer speaker and professor at mdw the university of music and performing arts vienna with over 30 years of experience in the music industry walter is a passionate and visionary leader in audio branding and ai music his mission is to explore and advance the intersection of music, technology, and human emotions and to inspire and empower others with the power of sound. He has created and produced award-winning music and sound design for global brands as well as for films, commercials, and trailers. Notably, he composed the ubiquitous Intel audio branding, which is the most performed mnemonic and melody in broadcast history, the main titles to Schwarzenegger's Eraser, and the 1980s gold platinum hit Bring Me Edelweiss. His extensive work in film includes scoring for Steven Spielberg, Wim Wenders, and many more. Walter also founded several successful music companies, including Music Vecnuken, Beyond Music Library, the Music Medicine Consultancy, and Health Tunes, offering cutting-edge music production, licensing, and music therapy solutions. Walter recently collaborated with Harvard, Rutgers, and Cornell on the Beethoven X AI project, which utilized AI to complete Beethoven's unfinished 10th symphony. Currently, Walter is the head of music at Mythos Mozart, an immersive experience that brings to life the magic of Mozart. He is also an advisory board member at Spatial Inc., a company that creates spatial audio for virtual and augmented reality. Walter and I recently met at the Bold Unconference, a fantastic and inspiring event that the Austrian Chamber of Commerce hosted across four cities in Austria, including a stop in Linz for Ars Electronica. I'm so excited to share our conversation with you today that started over a dinner in the Ars Electronica Museum. In today's episode, you'll discover how AI is unlocking the profound impact of music as medicine, along with Walter's work on the Beethoven X AI project and his collaboration with renowned AI artist Rafik Anadol on Mythos Mozart. In every conversation with Walter, his love and joy for music is contagious, as well as his passion for supporting composers' creativity. But have you ever Welcome to Creativity Squared. Discover how creatives are collaborating with artificial intelligence in your inbox, on YouTube, and on your preferred podcast platform. Hi, I'm Helen Todd, your host, and I'm so excited to have you join the weekly conversations I'm having with amazing pioneers in the space. The intention of these conversations is to ignite our collective imagination at the intersection of AI and creativity to envision a world where artists thrive. Walter, welcome to Creativity Squared. It is so wonderful to have you on the show. Helen, so good to see you and hear you. And I'm glad and honored to be here with you. Yeah, Walter and I uh, just met recently in Austria for an amazing event that the Austrian Chamber of Commerce did. Uh, did and hosted and brought amazing people from cross sectors together. And uh, Walter was there and we'll learn a lot about why today. Um, but for people who are meeting you for the first time, Walter, uh, can you uh, introduce yourself? Yes, um, I'm Austrian born and never really liked to live in Austria. My parents say that as far as they can think back, that I always dreamed of living in the United States. And 
eventually the day came where it was enough, a pact. Um, this was in the 90s and um, flew to Los Angeles and I got accepted to postgraduate at USC in film scoring. And from then on, I think my life was all about incredible luck and serendipity. And my teachers were Jerry Goldsmith and Bruce Broughton and David Raxin. And, and they brought me into inspiration and music love. And they opened a new world. And I, of course, stayed in Los Angeles. I loved being there. I loved the openness of the States, especially of California. And um, started working, working hard. Well, thank you for that introduction. And I guess one thing, too, that you're pretty famous for is the Intel mnemonic or audio logo that you came up with. So I'd love to hear more about that uh, as we kick off the show. Um, so in like the beginning of the 90s, right after school, um, Kyle Cooper, he's an incredible uh, designer, graphic designer. Um, he asked me to work on Intel. And I have to be honest, I didn't know what Intel was. And so he showed me this um, graph with six keyframes about this Intel spiral and said, hey, um, I need three seconds of music for this. And I loved writing film music and symphonies, those things like 60 minutes and longer and somebody asked me for three seconds of music didn't really make sense and i thought that would be easy money it's so short and be fine and i realized this was so difficult it's you can barely see a meaningful sentence in three seconds and it was almost impossible to say anything in three seconds with music so I was super frustrated, and I looked into the scores. I looked from the Beatles to Beethoven to Bach. Um, if there's any motif I can get inspired from, nothing worked. And, and on that weekend, I was sitting in front of the piano, and I looked again at those graphics, which looked beautiful. And I suddenly realized they had a tagline, Intel Inside. And so I thought if this was a song... Obviously, those are the lyrics. Intel insights would be four syllables. Um, there should be four notes. It is about engineering Intel. And like I learned about this, it's so precise and left those best at the time, fastest processors. So fast, pum, 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 tempo. And since they wanted to have that mnemonic um, resonate with the whole world, if you're in India, which is a big market, or Arab countries or Asia, wherever you are, it needs to have the same emotional, um, inspirational sound. I used the fourth and the fifth, and I constructed it this way. I explained that to Kyle. He said, oh, that sounds good, but how does it sound? And I played it for him. And then same thing with Intel. And they said, well, great idea. And that was it. And so that thing became the most performed mnemonic ever in history and the most performed melody and broadcast in the 90s. And basically it was constructed, composed in the matter of a couple of hours on the weekend. And um, it also changed my life. I, I love that. I feel like you were uh, ahead of the curve from all the TikTok and social media where uh, attention and music and video is all getting compressed to how much you can convey and even gifts in like, you know, seconds. Uh, so, so that's really neat. Um, well, why I really wanted to connect with you is um, about your work in AI and you've done some really interesting projects uh, in artificial intelligence and music, uh, starting, I think, if I understand correctly, with the Beethoven, that was your first uh, foray into AI and music. Is that correct? That's correct. I was, was, and I am tech nerd. I love technology, and I love in technology when when it inspires us. Um, and so, I, I, three years ago, I got this call from Matthias Ritter. He's a Harvard musicologist. Um, and he said, hey, Walter, would you like to write with Beethoven? 
And can you imagine it's like between whatever just happened, getting that call, I felt this is a prank call and said, yeah, and I would like to write with Radiohead and, and the Beatles and, and maybe Bach as well. And he said, you know, just focus, focus. And he's from Austria, so a, with a nice um, German accent like mine. And um, said, we'll do those later. Uh, let's start with Beethoven. So I felt he is serious about it. And I said, what would you, he's dead. I said, yes, I know. Um, and said, we want to use AI and you to finish Beethoven's 10th symphony. And um, so suddenly it like dawned on me, this, oh, this is just incredible. That call is again a life changer. And of course I said, yes. That's something I learned in the States. It's like, saying more yes than no's um and and i think europe and i don't want to beg on europe is a little bit more of a no continent so i started this journey and um we wanted to finish this in a matter of nine to ten months and i have to say um covid helped us that everything got pushed back and so after two years we finished and it was just an incredible learning process i i I think those two years taught me as much as all university. That's amazing. So can you walk us through the creative process and the tools and like, was this an intimidating project to, to finish uh, a Beethoven piece? It, it was everything. It was there were moments where I thought, oh, my God, why did I say yes? And there were so many moments. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. It's like there were moments I had my studio in, in, in Austria for that work where every morning um, Rutgers University, Ahmed Elgamal, would uh, generate uh, new themes and, and MIDI files. And I would rush in the morning into my studio. It's like I love to get up early. It's like 5 o'clock and listen to what he said. And really, sometimes, like the sun would rise, I would have my coffee, and I would listen to music, which made me teary. It's like I cried a couple of times. It was it was so powerful. Sometimes it was awful, but most of the time it was incredible and inspiring. And the biggest lesson I learned, and I want to share with everybody in the world is, um, that I thought that we need strict rules and and agreements for creativity for for music, and I came from the academic world. And so when I met Ahmed Elgamal, who was in charge of the AI, I said, "Yeah, let's sit down and let's put all the musical rules which Beethoven had at this time into your machine." And he looked at me like I'm insane and said, you know, no, 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 no. We that that would be wrong. It's like that would sound like any of your students. Um you don't want that. Beethoven had his own style. He broke so many barriers. He um not for the sake of it, but he disobeyed so many rules and that made Beethoven. So if we would be with constraints it would not sound Beethoven. So we have to learn strictly from Beethoven. And it took another five seconds, but then it was like this huge thing, which I started realizing what creativity is about and what Beethoven's creativity is about and the constraints we give ourselves sometimes to rethink what we have to do and I really believe it's great to learn. It's fantastic. I suggest for anybody, study if you can, learn as much as you can. But there needs to be a point where you just let go and do your stuff. And that's what we did, yeah. I love that after such a successful career at this project uh, made you rethink the creative process. I find that so wonderful and inspiring. Uh, so how... How did it work? What what tool did you use? Was it a custom AI tool? And then I guess I'm also curious, um, since 
you know, what aspect did you bring um, for the piece? Because like clearly it all of the rules didn't go in because you needed to break the rules. So were you coming up with the rules to break in the piece and to help train the AI or giving it uh, more data sets to train and sculpt or taking what it was giving and then uh, playing with it and modifying it. So I, I'd love to to get into the weeds of, of the actual process. Yes, you, you already nailed it. One of the most important parts is the training set, the bucket, as we call it. Initially, and we made so many mistakes in the beginning and we learned with every mistake. Um, first, we put all music we had into the bucket and were wondering why suddenly it would sound like Radiohead and Shostakovich. So clearly the next day we knew we need to stop at with Beethoven's work. The AI didn't have enough data just by Beethoven's work, so we realized we need to also add anything that influenced him, Bach, Mozart, um, and so on anybody he might have listened to and inspired him and those geniuses they hear a piece of music and it's in their brain it's in their mind in their consciousness forever and they analyze it um the beautiful stories about this and um so that was one part we had to help the ai with one thing to annotate um and teach the AI one thing, what is a theme, because Beethoven is so thematic. It's like he's probably the most motivic thematic composer in that era, um, that he has the snippets of, of very strong melodies and how he develops them. And the AI had challenges at the time. It would be different today um, to know what is the seed, the theme, how is it developed? Is it a development which is strictly rhythmic or melodic or both? Um, so there was a little bit of hand-holding there. What was amazing for me is as well that the AI doesn't think really in musical terms. It thinks um, pitch, so whatever the, the note is, and absolute time from the beginning. It doesn't have our music grid in its brain and um so realized we all have different conventions ai is experiencing different than i do or maybe somebody who never saw a score um but it's but it comes to the same it, it's it, it's it's about the notes and when after the premiere a couple of journalists stood up and of course uh, couple of people very angry about us to do this and, and a couple of people like really applauded but there was this one German um, famous uh, journalist who said oh this is um, this is not okay you can't do this um, the AI never was drunk was never lovesick never had water poured over cold water over their heads to get inspired um, this can't be working and so responded, is it really my point of focus if Beethoven was in love or not, if he was lovesick, if he was drunk? Or is it more important what came out of it? If he was lovesick, what did he write? And if that is the important part, that is what is left for us. That is in any of the scores he wrote. And if we analyze this, we get his way of lovesickness. And nobody else, not a human person, could do this. And so in that sense, the AI is incredibly objective and neutral and could really focus without knowing the now, um, how did he feel and, and what did he convey to us? And so to me, it was an incredible partner to write with the AI and get inspired and putting things together. And it really ended up being a beautiful teamwork between humans and technology. 
I love what you said about a beautiful teamwork between humans and technology. I'll be sure to put the links and embed the music of everything mentioned in today's conversation in the dedicated blog post that goes with this episode. I'm sure everyone's really curious to hear Beethoven's 10th symphony that you helped finish and the other projects that we'll get to. The link for it will be in the episode description. And I'm curious, did you, when you were starting, did you ever have any hesitation about kind of what the journalist pointed out in collaborating with AI in this way? Or did you always see it from the outset of this is a great tool and exciting project? I always thought it's an amazing tool. And even if it sends the weirdest pieces of music. Um, because we humans, when we write, we're not always writing genius pieces. Like we, we, we write anything. And, and I've, I wrote stuff which was awful <laughs> as well. And I think it, that made it fun and that made it exciting. And, and it was great that there were iterations which really sounded bad so, but i never thought this is a bad partner it's like it was exciting and challenging i have a question to you what do you think is one of the main drivers of creativity oh man <laughs> that is a great question um and, and you know, it's funny because uh, I have the podcast called Creativity Squared and we explore this. Mm-hmm. And I think depending on who you ask, everyone will have a different answer and has a different relation to it. And I think the thing that interests me the most about creativity is we assign it to be such um, inherently human, to like be human is to be creative. And now with technology being able to, you know, pair two ideas together that might be new and we call creative, if machines and AI can do this, you know, with millions and billions of ideas to to create ideas, um, it kind of lends itself to this existential question of mm-hmm. um, is to be creative inherently a human a human trait. Uh, so I, I find that a really fascinating thing. But I think in um, yeah, creativity is just uh, taking an idea and manifesting it into reality um, to create. I think we're all creators um, mm-hmm. and all are creative uh, inherently. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if it's um, maybe fundamentally uh, or only for humans, maybe. I love what you just shared. Um, and I would leave only for humans and not aside because um, there could be so many theories. And um, for me, it's, creativity is about choice. And the vulnerability and the boldness of choice. I'm sure in Beethoven, he loved to walk through the vineyards always had a sketchbook with him and a pen and would write down ideas and was sometimes so into them that he would just smear them wildly on pages. And what happened afterwards is that he might have put a couple of notes next to the notes he just scribbled five days ago and suddenly a new context randomly or not randomly, a new context came out and then his choice was, oh my God, I want to use this with this. And that became something really new and innovative. And so those creative accidents sometimes, that bold choice, I want to do this. And if this is Van Gogh or Picasso or Cage or whoever that is, whoever said something very powerful had this boldness of choice and saying, this is what I want to say. Yeah, I love that. Um, One of our writers, uh, Jason Schneider, um, who's done a few blog posts for us, uh, he he did a a really wonderful piece on what is art, which has a lot of similarities, Mm -hmm. Uh, especially, you know, in the age of AI, you have like uh, this discussed in courts, like how much of the human touch needs to be involved in art to be copyright. But um, his thesis that he put forward as as long as there's some human choice in it, whether it's curation, selecting an image from Dolly or one of the m- machines, or 
you know, any human touch of choice makes it art. Um, but I know a lot of people listening might, might disagree with that as well. Um, yeah, th- that would probably be another podcast and I would love to be part of that. Um, but what you just said brings me to another question. And may I ask you another question? <laughs> this is the most interviewed I've been on my show, but yes, let's go. <laughs> um, um, can you define in one sentence what is music? Oh, man. Uh, well, I, I should also say out of the arts, I, I love listening to music. I um, don't have an ear for music. Uh, in Tennessee, where I grew up, uh, you would say I couldn't carry a tune mm-hmm. if it was in a bucket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> I'm not the most versed uh, in, in full confession of, of all things music. But I don't know. To me, music is audio vibrations that impact us uh, in different ways. Um, I love to think about, um, yeah, just the the vibrational impact of, of music um, more than anything. Yeah, I think you're super close. And I ask my students every year, and it's funny that professional musicians always think, of course, oh, oh no, how can I? And, and so far, nobody really had like that answer. Um, Edgar Varese, an amazing composer, to me has had the best answer um, at the time, organized sound. Mm. Music is organized sound. I would like to add one word to it, intentional. And I think that will jive with what you just said, intentional organized sound. That is what music is to me and so far the best description but if you or any listener has a better one would love to hear it because um we are um immersed in music we love music and many of us listen to it for hours and hours but how can we describe it yeah, I, I've I've never thought um, that deeply about defining music, so I will marinate on that. And I would also love mm-hmm. to hear uh, what our viewers and listeners think. Uh, and I guess to that point too, I mean, like birds sing, and for different reasons, would you consider that music as well, or are is the intentional more for like? making music as art for humans i guess <laughs> i love this interview because yeah that's a huge question the the birds see the birds have a different um um modality in that um they are most of them pitch perfect and by millisecond accurate for them it is almost a muscle they train with micro um uh, memory and can bring that melody back like like absolutely accurate so it is it is i think a different um modality it's like when we create music um there's a different and that's where the intention comes in um birds have it um for communication and most of it mating (laughs) i guess humans might have that as well for those reasons but um, <laughs> um but not only and um and that brings us maybe to the next chapter i think i love music i live for music i have passion for music but i think more and more that we have music for help more so than entertainment and the latest science it's just it's incredible to learn what what music does to us to our mind to physical and and um and, and mental well-being it's incredible well since you brought that up let's segue and tell us about uh mozart and that specific piece in mozart that's been um proven to help with epilepsy um because yeah. i find that super fascinating and it involves AI as well. So I'll, I don't want to steal your thunder, so I'll let you explain it. Thanks for opening up the thunder. <laughs> and um, <laughs> yeah, there is this one piece of Mozart, the Griffith's Agnes 448. It's, it's 
a um, sonata for two pianos. Um, that is proven, scientifically proven, the many, many studies on that to help with epilepsy. Um, it reduces seizures by 70 to 75%. That's an incredible high number. Some epilepsy drugs can do it. And then we know there are a lot of patients drug resistant. So what happens to those patients who can't take any pharmaceuticals anymore? So there is music which seems a savior in that sense. And it is incredible to hear if a patient, an epilepsy patient, does not like Mozart, it still helps. And um, Dr. Eugen Trinker and Ivan Rector, uh, Ivan Rector is in Brunn at the university, um, and Trinker, he was the head of the World Epilepsy um, Organization, um, researched all that, and there is not another piece of music that has this high efficacy. There is a Haydn piece, which is also pretty good. And strangely enough, it works differently with males than females. Most of it is the same for male and female demographic. And um, I talked to those two professors, and I would love to start this research um, to find out what is the secret sauce of that piece of music and can we apply this to new music and write new music, and here comes AI, very handy. And um, so we need that hospital, which we have, like in Brunn and, and in Salzburg, with lots of epilepsy patients, and see what is it. Is it maybe one bar of music in that, that sonata? Is it the whole thing you need to listen to? Is it one chord? Is it one melody? I have my theories, and I think it's the overtone structure, which is very, very important there. Um, but researching this will change the world and, and can help thousands and thousands of people. That's amazing. Um, and I'm so curious, uh, how this was discovered, if it was a happy accident or, or whatnot. Um, but, but tell us about how you're going to use AI to help answer this question. Um, cause if I understand correctly from our conversation in Austria, um, actually it was at the Ars Electronica Museum, mm -hmm. which, where we had a fabulous dinner. Um, uh, you're using AI to kind of decode the song and try to figure it out. Is that correct? Yes. AI is powerful in so many instances. We can recreate brain functions and we could, um, recreate, um, the misfiring of, um, brain waves of an epileptic brain and see what happens um, from different perspectives with that music and hone in more and more and, and better and better what this, that secret sauce might be. Um, we can also then, once we see what it is, find out um, how can we compose more music like that? And would it be possible that we have generative music um, for that patience, that in that moment, the highest efficacy music piece is composed for that person in the moment when she or he needs it. And that would be just a lifesaver, pun intended. So the, the AI is both from the reading the, the brainwave data to understand what's happening from that side, mm -hmm. and then also understanding the musical side, the impact, and then recreating the music uh, for the health benefits. Yeah. So it's kind of twofold uh, from both angles, yeah. right? And to have like biosensors and then real-time generative music um, to help. And um, to me, that's such a powerful construct. And I was talking to Ivan Rector and then Eugen Trenker, something really needed. And when you say real-time, um, is that in regard to matching a music piece uh, to what is needed or actually creating on demand a customized piece for that person to address what they need in that moment? I love the question. I see you in that world because it's, it's both. Um, it could be that um, a piece of music is generated in the moment for that patient 
or um, if the patient has music he and she loves that this is enhanced with um, whatever that that structure is that sound is that overtone row is or whatever it is um, to make that piece of music better for that use case that's interesting oh there's been a lot of talk more on I guess this uh, the storytelling side and films that in the not too distant future and shoot the tech might already exist and I'm not aware of it uh, where we'll get customized films like I'm in the mood for this tonight mm-hmm. can you make a rom-com with a happy ending to cheer me up um, so I I don't see it um, that big of a leap to do that with music. Um, and I guess that's what musicians do oftentimes of just picking up a guitar and, uh, themselves, but for those who aren't musically talented in that way, or want to use AI to, to do customized music to our moods or feelings or health. Um, I, I think that's really fascinating. It's inspiring. And I think it's a philosophical question. And, and I have in my family, a couple of members, they just think, AI is the end of the world, and um, I don't think so. It's like um, at this wonderful dinner as well we had together, and 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 in Vienna, I met this MIT professor um, Ariel First, and and they implement latest technology, and I have children, so I'm often worried about the future and 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 about the disasters and. Um, reading the news is not really something where you think, oh my God, the future is brilliant and bright. But she found out a way now to clean up the seas, to take the CO2 out of seawater and make fuel with it. And and I was just, I just wanted to hug her because it just, this was the most hopeful thing I've heard in the longest time. And and I shared it with my son as well, and he wants to be an engineer. And it's so inspiring. There are ways that we can make this a better world again. I think one thing uh, related to that that goes uh, back to what you said about music is just the intentionality. Like, how do we want to use this tech? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was something that I spoke to um, at my little talk in uh, as part of the conference of what's our intentions. And that will really dictate a lot of ways of how we deploy and use um, these AI tools. Absolutely. I, I think, and, and they support us and, and anything can be used and abused and, and go in any direction. I believe more and more that we need strong tools to turn the world around um, and to be hopeful again. And, and again, that's a couple of stories at this wonderful weekend with all your amazing, creative, crazy professors and and dreamers and doers. Um, Yeah, it's like I I see a brighter future again that weekend was incredible, powerful. Well, I'm at heart a forever hopeaholic and optimistic. Uh, And at the same time, I acknowledge there's some real concerns and red flags, and we're at a pivotal moment to decide how we want to use these tools. So I'm in the camp to be proactive about um, human-centered and supporting humans uh, from from the outset. Um, Well, related to going back to music as medicine, uh, you also have an app um, that uh, more or less supplies music to to help people called Health Tunes. Uh, can you tell us about that? Um, yes, that's again something life brought to me to us. My son, when he was five years old, had um, a very severe illness. Um, it's leg protest, the femur to the hip joint falls apart and regrows again as necrosis it's very painful and um it's a year-long process and my wife my family decided um not to go the surgery route or metal braces or have to get two years in the hospital we implied osteopathy acupuncture and sound and a year later he was running again and for us, it felt that's the way it is. Um, and UCLA Health, um, incredible hospital, 
university clinic said, how did you guys do that? Um, and suddenly it was clear there was more than just that's something really interesting. And um, I realized that sound and music was really an important factor. And I thought, um, I'm going to give that back to the world. It's like um, it came to me and, and I started a nonprofit called Health Tunes. And um, that started first in the world of leg protests and, and regrowing um, bones and pain. And now there are therapies for Alzheimer's and um, help um, in oncology um, with chemotherapy, side effects and uh, anxiety and burnout. There's so many incredible use cases and they're all backed up by research. Um, and we know a lot how music works and that music works. And now we're finding out why it works. So um, that is the next step, and that opened up doors in hospitals and at Wellstar Health in Atlanta. It's like 300 hospitals. They're using it extensively in maternity and recreational centers. Um, it is working, and it's just sometimes it feels like magic. At, in NICU, um, when the baby's premise with elevated heart rate, it shoots up to 200 sometimes. Um, we align the music, 200 beats per minute of the heart rate with the same beats per minute of music, um, imply a um, ritatando, meaning the music slows down exponentially, and the heart rate of the baby follows. And then a minute later, that baby is addressing heart rate and you see the mothers and sometimes the doctors in tears next to that baby because it was so powerful and so simple and it works. And those are the moments where I think, wow, music, intentional, um, healing, health, and it's 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 preventive health it's organized sound um it is so much um we are even in a project um with a company that do mris and a lot of patients um get claustrophobic scared during mris and so prenovo has those clinics in many major cities and we supply specific music to help to reduce claustrophobia and mask the, the sounds, um, the, those loud sounds in there, but also help people to stay calm and get the treatments they need to get. That's so amazing. And I hope everyone listening is, if you're not already curious, gets really curious about this and download your app, uh, Health Tunes, which I'll be sure to uh, link uh, in the show notes in the dedicated blog post. Um, for I, I was curious, um, since you've done a lot and uh, working with understanding you know, sounds and their impact, um, I've read and I've gone down you know, rabbit holes of the binaural beats uh, for trying to go to sleep and relaxing. Um, uh, but I've also come across, um, you know, the sound ohm is, mm. has been said to be kind of the, the sound of the universe. So has that come across in any of the studies of the, the impact of that um, that you could share with us? Um, frequency is a key. And again, organized sound, it's like um, ohm has a resonance. And when you... Um, speak or perform your own your whole body resonates and i would love to invite any of the listeners to look up human resonance the earth has those four bands of frequencies very low frequencies we don't hear them but we feel them like seven hertz and 14 hertz um if if astronauts would leave um um our spheres here, they will get that sound pumped into the capsule to stay healthy and sane without those frequencies. And we don't even know that they're here. Um, our health would degrade. So there are some of those frequencies which really are so powerful, and you can call them mantras or 
spirituality or sounds or frequencies or binaural beats like that resonance is so important and it doesn't matter how you label it but um that ohm can be very powerful for you and, and if you learn about it and um that might be the resonance you need to stay healthier well, I, I feel like you just sent a bunch of people down more rabbit holes on the internet to to learn about this and uh, do it ourselves. Enjoy. <laughs> Before uh, we wrap up, I wanted to know if you wanted our viewers and listeners to remember one thing from our conversation or from your work or about music and AI, what is it that you want them to remember and walk away with? It might be coincidence. I, I'm a strong believer of creativity. When kids are born, they're creative. They're fun. It's like any moment there's something new discovered and created. And and for whatever reason, suddenly we're 18, 20 years old, and there might be less creativity. And the shocking number is that 3% of mankind is living off of creativity suddenly and then look at those kids and remember back when you were playing all day long and had fun and joy um so we have to find ways to propel creativity in all of us and everybody can be creative and live your potential have fun enjoy so one of the first things I always tell my students at the university is like, you guys are amazing composers. You wouldn't be here if you're not. What I want to help you is to keep the joy of creating. Only this will give you that wonderful life with miracles and, and those beautiful moments of life-changing, self-changing moments and and that is just so powerful what a beautiful sentiment uh to end on and i think everyone listening uh, i hope uh, that this inspires you to play and be creative as well uh well is there anything else that um you wanted to make sure that we covered today that uh, we might have missed or i didn't ask i think thank you for asking those wonderful questions and for that creative call <laughs> I loved it. Um, <laughs> of course, we can talk many more hours, and we will. But I think we said a lot. And again, I want to encourage all of you to find your creative soul and and enjoy and be resonant. And that's the beauty of music as well, because music is pure creativity getting into you and resonate with it and find your own credibility with it it unleashes all this potential in you that's beautiful well thank you so much walter i look forward to our future conversations both on the mm -hmm. podcast and offline to to explore all these topics oh and and also just the future of ai and music because i feel like what you're working on is just so fascinating of finishing a Beethoven piece, uh, decoding Mozart to help people with health issues. Like what else is on the horizon of, you know, music is so old um, and tied to human history, but there's so much still that we haven't discovered or explored and what's on the horizon. So I'm uh, excited to see what, what happens with, uh, with the future of music as well. Yeah. It's again, we, we're all shifting. It's like the, the essence might be the same. And um, you might know the story that um, right of spring when it was um, premiered in, in Paris, I think it was 1914 or somewhere in that um, time, uh, people were so excited and so shocked in a good way about this new music that they started um, uh, fighting and, and running around and just like breaking out with emotion. Um, probably similar than we had like in some Nine Inch Nails concerts later on. Um, and I think that same concert wouldn't have the same effect on us. So we have to evolve and shift and also artificial intelligence helps us with new 
ways to experience music and visuals. If you look at Rafik Anadol, he found this incredible new immersive visual experiences, which maybe give you the same internal effects than what the Rite of Spring happened in Paris at that opening. So we have to evolve and look forward and not get stuck with the past. I couldn't agree more. And we had Zach Evans from Harmony, which is mm-hmm. Stability AI's uh, music uh, generative AI. Mm-hmm. And one thing that he pointed out is almost every new music genre is tied to tech and tech pushing music genres forward from the synthesizer. And he listed a bunch. Um, So we have this new tech to help us uh, push music forward too. But even a saxophone, a piano is tech in a sense. It's like we, because we have it for so long, we think it's just um, an extension of our fingers. Um, The metronome, which Beethoven used this technology. Um, So we have to be forgiving that, the even the goose quill um, where he penned down his notes is technology in a sense. Um, and without that piece, without that goose, we wouldn't have Beethoven's music the way we have it now. I love that. Well, I, uh, my mom is a calligrapher and has actually made those pens um, mm-hmm. from scratch before. So, well, I feel like we could keep going and going, yeah, Walter. Yeah. <laughs> so. I think you need a, a goose on the left side of, of a goose for a right-handed person and vice versa. So it has the right angle. Like that's all. Like this, ah, this. You know, I never thought about that before. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to ask my mom if she mm-hmm. does that when she makes her pins, make sure it's from the right side. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again. And uh, looking forward to our future conversations sure. and excited to uh, get this conversation uh, shared with the Creativity Squared community. Thank you for having me. Be creative. <laughs> Thank you for spending some time with us today. We're just getting started and would love your support. Subscribe to Creativity Squared on your preferred podcast platform and leave a review. It really helps. And I'd love to hear your feedback. What topics are you thinking about and want to dive into more? I invite you to visit creativitysquared.com to let me know. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for our free weekly newsletter so you can easily stay on top of all the latest news at the intersection of AI and creativity. Because it's so important to support artists, 10% of all revenue Creativity Squared generates will go to ArtsWave, a nationally recognized nonprofit that supports over 100 arts organizations. Become a premium newsletter subscriber or leave a tip on the website to support this project and ArtsWave. And premium newsletter subscribers will receive NFTs of episode cover art and more extras to say thank you for helping bring my dream to life. And a big, big thank you to everyone who's offered their time, energy, and encouragement and support so far. I really appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. This show is produced and made possible by the team at Play Audio Agency. Until next week, keep creating.